so this fall we are we're doing a, 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 a whole fall of Advent. <laughs> Usually it's like four weeks before Christmas, but I like Advent. So we're going to stretch it out. We're going to anticipate Christmas starting last week all the way up to Christmas. And uh, the way that we're going to do that is by studying the covenants of God and why they matter. So when you get your medication, you'll notice on all of them there's this little sign that says, use only as directed. Use only as directed, right? Now let's just take aspirin, for instance. Uh, the creator of aspirin, Bayer, has created aspirin. <coughs> the purpose of aspirin is to relieve headaches and some aches and pains, and maybe a heart attack. That is what it was created for, bare aspirin. And if you take it as directed, you can anticipate those results. But if you don't use it as directed, you could die, right? I don't think you'll take the whole bottle. <laughs> You could die if you take aspirin the wrong way. Now this is helpful in looking at this whole idea of covenants, the covenants of God. You see, God created us out of his love to be in a loving relationship with him. That's why you're created. You're created for a relationship with God. The covenants are kind of like the directions. If you follow these directions, or these relational cues, if you will, if you do this stuff, you're going to enjoy that loving relationship with God. If, however, you choose to not use as directed, you will not enjoy that loving relationship with God. That's what covenants are all about. Last week, we looked at a definition. And there's a bunch of them out of there, so I thought I'd give you a second definition. Maybe it helps you a little bit more about what a biblical covenant is. A biblical covenant is a sovereign pronouncement of God, which establishes a relationship of responsibility between himself and a person or a group. God says, I'm going to relate to you this way. My expectation of you is that you will relate to me in this way. That's what a covenant is all about. We took a look at a couple of definitions in the sense of what covenants of God are like. And the first thing we noticed is that they're imposed by God. We don't like imposition. <laughs> we don't like to be imposed upon. We don't like anyone telling us what to do, quite frankly. But God, in his covenants, is telling us what to do. Right? And so God did this not because he's some crazed megalomaniac who loves to 
show his power and gets you know excited about showing off and being bossy. He did it for our good. <laughs> he created us for our benefit and for his own glory. And secondly, and I really need to get, we need to get this, we, we looked at this last week and I really want us to get this because it's really the, it's the touchstone of a touchstone stone, touchstone of the whole uh, series that we're going to be looking at. And that is this, that progressively the covenants explain Jesus Christ and his mission. That's why all fall we'll be talking about the covenants because they explain Jesus Christ. See, before creation, God had a plan. It was to benefit his creation and to bring him glory. The consummation of that plan is Jesus Christ. In other words, the gospel, God's redeeming work on the cross that we've just remembered, it's God's ultimate solution to ensure an eternal loving relationship with us. To deal with the problem, our sin. And to allow us to come into relationship with him. So, from before creation, before he even created us, he had the plan to redeem us. And the solution was found in Jesus Christ. And he knew then that, it, that he knew the precise moment. He knew exactly what Jesus Christ, his son, would have to do in order to usher in a new covenant whereby we can come into a lasting, loving relationship with him. At exactly the right time. Everything unfolded the way he wanted it to unfold. And so the covenants will explain to us why Jesus had to die. The covenants, over time, are going to explain to us why Jesus had to live a perfect life. The covenants are going to explain to us uh, why he had to resurrect from the grave. And ascend. And so we're going to take a look at the covenants and they're going to progressively reveal why Jesus came in the exact way that he did. It's interesting that the people that engaged in these covenants of God over time, starting with Adam, all the way you know to, Adam, to David, and then the new covenant in Jesus Christ, and the disciples. The people that engaged in, in these covenants until the new covenant with the coming of Jesus Christ, they only saw partially the big picture. But guess what, guys? We got no excuse. <laughs> we are supposed to be able to see this clearly. Because we're living in the age of the new covenant where it should be all clear. And we can look back and say, oh, why did Jesus have to die? Well, we're going to find out today why Jesus died. With a covenant that was established in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> right? Um, and so why he had to die and all of the 
things about Jesus' life are going to make sense because of our study of the covenants. So, let's just get started. God's first covenants. There's two that we're going to talk about in the first three chapters of the Bible. The Edenic covenant and the Adamic covenant. You can see the root words, the Eden covenant and Adam's covenant. The Edenic covenant is God's commandments to man before the fall. And the Adamic covenant is God's covenant with man after the fall. I love the fact that it didn't end with the Edenic covenant. <laughs> I blew it. Going to Mars. <laughs> Gonna see if I can work some out with the Martians. <laughs> no, it didn't end there. Okay, we'll do the Adet we'll do the Adamic covenant now. Right? And there were a series of covenants that God did to result in Jesus Christ. So let's read the Edenic covenant. Here it is. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have, uh, um, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food, also to every beast on, of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I've given every green herb for food. And it was so. And then in chapter 2 we read, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So you're saying, well, I don't see the word covenant in there. And you're right. And sometimes... You know, the word covenant's right in there. You know, I'm going to make a covenant with you, God would say. Okay, but he didn't say that in this case. So, But just in case you're doubting the fact that this is a covenant, that I'm, I'm just making this stuff up, just look at how God regarded the arrangement that he made with Adam in Eden. In Hosea 6-7, these are God's words. He's speaking to a rebellious people. He says, but like Adam, they have transgressed the covenant. They have dealt treacherously against me. So he saw, God saw, God considered his words to Adam and Eve in the garden as a covenant. And so the first covenant that we're looking at is the Edenic. Now, I'm going to just go through a very quick summary, just read it actually, so that we can all make sure of the elements of this covenant. And I, I go to writers, more theologically sound people than myself for these sorts of things. So we're going to go to Samuel Whitefield, who's a, a theologian. He's actually a pastor. He's Actually, he's a prayer. That's what he does. He's a prayer out of uh, the House of Prayer in Kansas. He's responsible for intercession. So it's John. Isn't that something? 
Um, this is what he says. The, co uh, the covenant, the Edenic covenant, was made between God and Adam. The covenant consisted of several positive commands. Because man, both male and female, is created in God's image, one, man was made to subdue the earth. Man was given dominion and authority over the earth and the animal kingdom. This was not man asserting himself. This was God gave you, gave man. And when we speak of man, um, we speak of, uh, of the biblical sense of man, um, which is man and woman. So man is man and woman. Okay, so man was to subdue the earth. Man was given dominion and authority over the earth and the animal kingdom. Mankind was to reproduce and inhabit the entire earth. Oh, Robert, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> man was to be a vegetarian. <laughs> that was God's will, Robert. <laughs> Robert and Jeff raise cows for milk. So yeah. That's okay, right? That's vegetarian. Oh, no, it's, it is vegetarian. It's not vegan, though. Man was also to keep the garden sanctuary. And then the covenant consisted of one negative command. Mankind was not to eat of the tree of good and evil, although he was made in the very image of God and had delegated authority from God over creation. He was to remember that he was subservient to God and incapable of determining good and evil. The penalty of breaking this command was death. What? So, Whitefield has summed up the essence of the Eudenic Covenant for us. Just a quick, quick review. What I want us to do is use this sort of uh, kind of a, a structure that I'm going to apply or an instrument that I'm going to apply to each of these covenants by uh, going through uh, three things. We've said that, that the covenants of God are uh, imposed by God for our benefit and its glory. So we're going to look at the Edenic covenant in that way. Um, the, um, the covenants of God progressively explain Jesus Christ and his mission and are both conditional and unconditional. You didn't know that yet, but that I'll explain in just a minute. So, Edenic, the Edenic covenant was a conditional covenant. So, when you go into a contract, right, you can, you can have a conditional contract. And most contracts are conditional. You do this, I will do that. And that's what God was saying to uh, Adam and Eve. He was saying, you can enjoy this amazing place that I have given to you with all of its fullness on one condition. And that condition was, you accept that I'm God and that you're not. <coughs> so it was conditional. <coughs> the second thing, that it was imposed, the Edenic covenant was imposed by God for our benefit and his glory. Check it out. Look at how God has provided. God as creator knows exactly what man needed. And he addressed all of his needs. Think about it. The aesthetics. The garden was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Um, the, the social. It's not good for man to be alone. So he created a partner, Eve. Sexual. Gave an outlet for that and, and gave that purpose and meaning. Psychological. And this is so important. He gave mankind choice. Even the choice to reject his authority. 
He gave him a th- the opportunity for creativity. Do you think Adam and Eve enjoyed that naming of the animals? I, I bet you they did. I thought that, that that was probably just meeting their need to be creative. Um, meaning and purpose. Look at the meaning and purpose. You're going to run the whole place. This place is yours. Here's your meaning. This is your purpose. Physical. They did labor. They worked. Intellect. You know, the challenges that they were faced with. And then, of course, the spiritual. I love the fact that, uh, sadly, we read it after the fall, but it reads that as, as God was walking through the garden, and you get this impression that they walked with God through the garden, uh, and that there was such a, a wonderful experience of God in the garden. You see, God imposed this covenant for their benefit, and what they would get from this covenant was everything. <laughs> I mean, you, you name something that's not there. All of their needs were met. God was such a wonderful provider. But then there was that issue, that condition, you know? And that condition was that they had to just respect his authority and not do that one thing. And and they couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. (laughs) Not just they. We couldn't do it. And we ate of that tree because we don't like to be told what to do. And we don't like to have authority put over us. And so as we look at this, we see that it was the Edenic covenant was a conditional covenant. It was imposed by God for their benefit and for his glory. Of course, it brings him glory. But finally, and this is so key, it progressively explains Jesus Christ and his mission. The consummation of God's plan of salvation would have to involve a death because there was sin. Blood would be spilled. I never understood that. I never understood, why couldn't God just forgive? I mean, he's God. But to God, sin is a horrible offense. And it, and he amplified the significance of that offense by making the penalty death. And so, We see that the Edenic covenant, the very first relationship established by God with man for their benefit and for his glory, includes the idea that this is a matter of life and death. All you have to do is not (coughs) eat from that tree. And you can have all of this. You know, this is, that, that picture of the Garden of Eden is, is a picture of God's revealed will for you. He wants you to enjoy the full life, as Jesus said. 
came to give you life and life to the fullest. It's, it's, it's rich with everything that you could ever hope for. But there's a condition, and that condition is that you have to be willing to submit to his authority. And when he says we don't do something, you can't do it, and you have to resolve that that's the case. The penalty of sin is death, and that's why you see those words from Romans there. When Paul is writing about how can you have this wonderful relationship with God, he says, you know, <laughs> you got to deal with sin, and the wages of sin is death. But guess what? I got some good news, people. The good news is that Jesus Christ did the dying for you. He spilt the blood so that you can just accept that wonderful gift. So Jesus had to die. And we see that in the very first chapter, second chapter of Genesis. The covenants reveal Jesus Christ and why he died and why he did all this other, all of these other things that we're going to take a look at. So here's the big idea. I've got three of them. One, God, because of his great love for us, began introducing us to the solution for sin even before we sinned. God, because of his great love for us, began introducing to us his solution for sin even before we sinned. Think about that. Adam and Eve hadn't even sinned. And he started talking about There'll, there'll have to be a death. <laughs> the solution was introduced even before the sin was committed. To me, that's inspiring. <laughs> to me, that makes me feel kind of special. That when we look at this world, and particularly in the last half decade, the last five years, I mean, don't we all feel like the world's going to hell in a handbasket? I mean, it's chaos. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Everything's out of control. The weather's out of control. The economy's out of control. Politics are out of control. Families are out of control. Sexuality's out of control. Everything is out of control. But God is working out his purpose. <laughs> God is in control. And guess what? He started planning this out before we even screwed it all up with our sin. Secondly, the big idea, God has revealed his perfect will for us. How to use, how we are to use only as directed in the words. God has revealed his perfect will for us and how he has created us to live. And all you have to do is look at the Garden of Eden. That's what God wants for you. That's why when you look at Revelation, when sin is finally no more, death is no more, Satan is no more, what do you find in Revelation? You find the Garden of Eden. That's all it is. 
It's just a different name. It's called the new heaven and the new earth. But it's just the garden. And so we find that this is what God wants for us. All he wants us to do is to submit to his authority. And then finally, another and last big idea I would say is this. Somehow we don't get this, particularly in our age. He also revealed to us his absolute intolerance for the awfulness of sin by pronouncing death as its consequence. We minimalize, we frivolize, we rationalize sin. We say, oh, I'm not as bad as the guy next door. Right? Or they say, well, as long as it's you know, consensual. Or we, we say this, that, the other. We say all sorts of things to minimize what God has said is sin. We do. All the time. And God is saying, don't fool yourself. It's wage. It's consequence. The result of your sin is death. Think of something bigger than that. There is nothing bigger than that. There is no greater consequence than that. Sin leads to death. That's how intolerant God is of sin. And that's also why Christ had to die. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you didn't create us just to throw us on a planet and be amused by us. We're not a curiosity of yours. You built us for a relationship with you. You built us for a loving relationship. You wanted to lavish on us all kinds of goodness. And we admit, we confess that we have this nagging issue of not wanting to submit to a God. Lord, if we've never done that, if we've never come to that place where we've, we've recognized it and been willing to confess that sin and been willing to surrender to your authority, to your sovereignty, I pray that you would do that. If there's anyone here, I just pray that they would do that so that they could get on their way to experiencing a love relationship that goes beyond the bounds of anything we really comprehend or know. Lord Jesus, please help us to value and understand your hatred for sin. Help us not to compromise with it or get comfortable with it. Help us to hate sin as much as you do. And most of all, we thank you that you had a plan right from the word go and for the word go for how you would spend eternity with us in a loving relationship. Mm -hmm. A relationship that would eternally benefit us and eternally glorify you. We thank you we thank you that Jesus Christ was that solution. We look forward to hearing your voice speak to us, we pray. Help us to understand. 
the meaning, the significance of Jesus Christ, his incarnation, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. Help us to understand this as we look at how you explain it over time through your imposed covenants with humanity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.